you guys would turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 3. Not often we go into 1 Kings, um, but this is one of my favorite passages, and it's always been on my heart. <clears throat> really, in the Bible, like you can go to the, the Apostle Paul, right? You can go to the book of Ephesians or several of his epistles, and you can see long sections of prayer, Okay. You can see Paul praying. He writes it out for us, and it's beautiful, and we can learn a ton from those prayers. One of the things, though, is I've always wondered, what about God's side of the prayer? Right? There's only a very, very few times in the Scriptures where we see, um, we get to see both sides of the conversation. Right? And there's this unique insight into what's going on, So this morning, we're going to look at one of those times. We're going to look at one of the times where we get to see both sides of the prayer. We get to see what Solomon says. We also get to see what the Lord says in response. And so it's always been an encouraging passage to me. I hope it is to you as well. Um, If you would stand in honor of God's word, we'll read from 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1, and I'm actually going to read quite a bit down to verse 15. Okay? This is the word of the Lord. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house in the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And the Lord said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father. Because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept from him you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, But have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, now I do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keep my keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, behold, it was a dream. And then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. 
and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all of his servants. You pray with me that we could understand rightly God's word. God, who are we? Um, Thank you for your word. Thank you for this interaction that you recorded for us between you and Solomon. God, I ask that we would be encouraged, that we would know what you say, that it would be clear. But God, not just that we would know, but that we would also believe and that we would not just believe, but we would also do. Um, God, make us a people of prayer. Uh, Make us in tune with your heart. Uh, Remind us of um, how generous you are. We love you, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So let me tell you a little bit about Solomon before we get started and we jump right in. Solomon's dad is King David. David is a conqueror. David is, is a, a battler. He's known uh, for, from the very young age, right? He killed Goliath and he just was a conqueror, okay? Solomon, uh, most people believe his, his name comes from the word peace, right? That the Lord would give peace to his people. And David had said, hey, I'm going to build a temple. And uh, the Lord said, no, you're a man of blood. You're a man of war. You're not going to build a temple for me. Uh, but I will let your son Solomon build a temple. And really, he builds it in a time of peace. <clears throat> so, but while this transition is going on, Solomon's what we would call the crown prince. Okay? That means David had a, a lot of sons, but Solomon was the one who was supposed to become king. Okay? That's what it means to be the crown prince. All right? But about two years prior, probably, to what we're seeing here, uh, one of Solomon's brothers said, I don't want you to be the crown prince. In fact, I think I'll just be king. Okay? And one of his brothers tries to replace him, tries to not just replace Solomon, but really replace David. All right? This has happened before, but this is... Um, he, he, he gathers a, a, a cohort of important people and of uh, some army leaders and some political leaders, and he gathers them to himself and basically declares himself king. Okay? And David says, David's still with it. He's old at this point, but David says, no, this isn't going to happen. And so he gathers <coughs> more faithful people. And he gathers the commander of his army. And he gathers Solomon and says, Solomon is king now. And basically Solomon and his dad reign together probably for a year or so until David's about to die. And so... Um, Maybe a year after that, David's about to die. Before he dies, David gives Solomon a charge to fulfill his place that the Lord has for him. Okay, two things the Lord was wanting from Solomon. To be king and to be the temple builder. Right? These are the two charges that Solomon's given. Soon as David has died, the same brother says, ah, I think I'll take out my younger brother now. Right? And he again starts scheming and plotting against Solomon <clears throat> so much to where Solomon <clears throat> has to punish him and exile some others. And, and Solomon's got to work through all of this to secure his throne okay? against his own family. And so, let me tell you one of the main things about this too. At this point, Solomon's about 20 years old. Right? 20 years old. He's had to fight for his kingdom. He's reigned with his dad. He's uh, had to exile people that had been around his father and had been faithful. He's had to punish one of his own brothers for trying to usurp the throne. He's 20 years old. 
Um, it's a pretty bumpy life for 20, right? Uh, look down at what he says. So this is, this is what comes. Verse 3, So Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city, <clears throat> city of David, until he had finished building his own house, a house for the Lord, and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the Lord. This is typical of a Hebrew story. Is he gives us a little summary of what's going to happen pretty much in the next 10 chapters of the book, right? We're going to focus on two things. We're going to really focus on Solomon building the temple and the people in their high places, and we're going to go back and forth about that, okay? So it's just a general assessment, okay? But look down. We're going to start with verse 3, really. And it's just astonishing, astonishing. I hope, I hope this floors you. Solomon loved the Lord. I don't know if you guys know this, but I, I searched and searched this week, and this is the only place in the Bible I can find where it just says, so-and-so loved the Lord. Just this one. Right? We have one time in John 17 where Jesus is praying, also a fascinating one, and he says, I love the, right? the Son loves the Father and the Father loves the Son, so we have that too. But as far as a, a, a man, a human only, just says Solomon loved the Lord. Really what we're going to learn this morning is just about one word. Generous. Generous. Why do we pray? Why do we pray? Maybe some of you were taught you pray because you have to. Maybe some of you were taught you pray because you're bad. Or you've been bad. Or you feel like you're going to be bad. Right? Maybe you were taught that you pray just out of ritual. Pray at meals. Pray at bedtime. Pray when I get up in the morning. This is what we do. I want to tell you, this morning I want that one word to stand out, and I want it to become a reason why we would pray in 2021, right? Because the Lord is generous. Look down. Look. Solomon loved the Lord. Um, Solomon wasn't that great of a guy all the time. Do you guys know that? <laughs> some of you were here back when we studied Ecclesiastes, right? Solomon had some real struggles, Solomon is going to go on to sin in some ways, even in this very book that's recorded. And yet, number point number one, for those of you that are note takers, this is God's generous assessment. Look at how God looks at Solomon. Before we even start the story of Solomon, God looks at him and says, Solomon loved the Lord. How encouraging is that? Right? Some of us think, oh, I don't really love the Lord, whatever. And yet God would look at us maybe and say, so-and-so loves the Lord. Oh, so-and-so struggles a lot, <laughs> right? And what's funny is God doesn't even mention that here. Just start Solomon loved the Lord. That's a generous assessment, in my mind, of Solomon. Um, and actually, it's not just that Solomon loved the Lord, but the Lord loved Solomon. I don't know if you guys remember the story of David and Bathsheba. Okay, David commits adultery. Uh, has a son with Bathsheba, kills Bathsheba's husband. God says that that son is going to die, right? Dies in infancy. Solomon is also the son of Bathsheba, the next son. And I'd never read this, I'd never put this together before then. But how nervous would you be if you were David and Bathsheba? Will the Lord love this child? I mean, I still was a murderer, Adulterer, will the Lord be okay? And I never, I never realized this before, but God sends the prophet Nathan 
to David and says, you shall call his name, this is funny because this is also, Jedidiah. Why was David to call his name Jedidiah? Because Jedidiah means beloved of the Lord. Right? Solomon, he already called him Solomon, but then Nathan the prophet comes and says, don't worry, David, you can call him Jedidiah. You can call him beloved of the Lord. How generous is God? Right? He loved Solomon. Solomon loved him. That's how the Lord's willing to let it be. That's in 2 Samuel 12, by the way, if you want to look it up later for homework. Um, but it's a beautiful passage. Um, so God's generous assessment of Solomon. Look down. We'll get into verse 3 again. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was the great high place the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. So what had happened is um, there were people used to worship on hills, right? Because there was a literal thought of if I get closer, if I get higher up, closer to God, okay? And so uh, that's where people would worship. And even Israel, when they first moved into the land, they they didn't really have the tabernacle. um, They didn't center around it. They had spread out. And so the people had started to worship on these various high places, and David had brought the ark to Jerusalem, but the tabernacle, right, is still in Gideon, or Gibeon, sorry. And so that's why it's called the great high places that the tabernacle's there. Look what happens next. Verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by, in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give you. Second, for those of you note takers, is God's gracious prompting. Who initiates this prayer? God does. You think God does that with us? You think every prayer you've ever had has been your great idea? Right? The Lord says, Solomon, comes to him in a dream, says Solomon, and he he just three words. Ask what you, ask what I should give. Hebrew is just three words. God prompts him. Says Solomon, me and you have a relationship. You love me and I love you. Solomon, ask what ask what I should give to you. God prompts him. We get to see both sides. It's pretty incredible that God would ask such a thing of a man. Uh, next, God's prompting, God's generous faithfulness. Look down at verse six. Right? So we have God's generous prompting and now God's general generous faithfulness. Verse six. Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart towards you. Solomon says, man, you really blessed my dad. Like I watched as you were blessing my dad and as there was rebellion and he told me the stories of Goliath and he told me the stories of the Canaanite kings and he told me all this. And Solomon says, you've been faithful to my dad. What do you think Solomon's heart questioned? Are you going to be faithful to me? Keep going. And he has been so far. Solomon didn't forget that. <clears throat> and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. Solomon says, hey, I'm here. Right? Like I've just survived two years of attempted coups and of uh, rivalry and of bloodshed even. And now Solomon sits on the throne in peace, just like his name says he would. Right? Solomon would sit on the throne in peace. Verse 8, and your servant 
Oh, sorry. Skip verse 7. And now, O Lord. Yeah. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. And so we have God's great faithfulness. Solomon acknowledges it. Solomon says, God, you've been good. This is part of your promise because my brother was trying to take the throne, yet you said, David said that I was going to be king, and so now you've been faithful to me. And I want to point out one thing here. Um, Solomon also affirms God's work in his dad's life. Sometimes in prayer, this is just a side note, but sometimes in prayer we want to focus on other people, not just ourselves. Right? And that may be obvious as far as requests go, but I also want to point it out. Sometimes it's good in our prayers to affirm what we see God doing in other people's lives. Right? Say, God, I see you being faithful to so-and-so. God, I've, I've seen you walk with this person. I've seen you encourage. I've seen you answer. I've seen you be a part of all of this. To affirm that in God's, in, in God's sovereignty. God's faithfulness. Now, look down. Solomon says, but I, I'm but a little child. And I do not know how to go out or come in. That's probably a term for leadership, for military leadership. Solomon says, so I, I sit here in peace and, and I've seen my dad. He was a great conqueror and, and I've known your faithfulness to him. But me, I'm, I'm a little child. 20 years old. I haven't fought any battles. I haven't gone to any wars. Look at what he calls himself, right? Solomon rightly calls himself a servant of God. He calls himself a little child. He says he doesn't know how to come out or, or go in. And he calls God's people great. He says, here am I, a small little child, and I'm called to do something great. I'm called to lead God's people. People were probably four million people at this time. I can barely keep my household of five together, right? <laughs> Some of us, oh, we're great leaders, right? You know, we manage five people or we have, you know, 20 employees or 30 or whatever. We're great. Solomon's looking at four million people. And he says, I'm 20. I haven't fought any battles. I haven't done anything like this. Yet he's trusting that God will be faithful to him. Why, do I, why also do I call it faithfulness? <clears throat> because it, Solomon wasn't basing this on his greatness. right? Solomon doesn't say, well, God, I'm the king now, so you've got to come through for me. Solomon says, I'm nobody. Another side note, it's hard to find humility in a 20-year-old. May it be so more and more, right? How much better does this, uh, like Solomon, it's wonderful that he's got this humility. <clears throat> Next, so we've seen his faithfulness now, God's generous approval. Right, look down at verse 9. <clears throat> Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, <clears throat> for who is able to govern this, your great people. What Solomon asks for is wisdom. Solomon asked for wisdom. And let's just go through it real quick. He asked with an attitude of humility, right? He calls himself a servant. He's already called himself a little child. Doesn't know how to go out and come in. <clears throat> Next, Solomon asked for something that's in keeping with the Lord's will. 
Okay, he's not asking for something, I mean, that's an obvious one, but this is something that's in keeping with what God would want for him. And third, he asks for the benefit of others. Right? He asks so that I could govern them, so that life, so that life would be good for them. Right? So he asks with humility, he asks what's in keeping with God's will, and he asks for the benefit of others. He doesn't ask for the benefit of himself. In verse 10, this is, a, this is an astonishing verse too. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked for this. Profound, right? <laughs> he asked humbly. He asked in God's will and he asked for the benefit of others. And what does it say? It says it pleased the Lord. It pleased the Lord that he prayed that. <clears throat> now, some of us, we've been, raised, we've been raised in the church, right? We know how to say long prayers. We know how to sound very spiritual. Right? We know how to um, string together some words and put together some prayer requests and say it real nice. Does God approve this prayer because Solomon said it real nice? Does God even approve this prayer because it's something like terribly spiritual? Right? Don't we? I mean, I think if I asked you, hey, what's the most spiritual thing you could pray for? you could probably come up with some things better than wisdom. Right? We, could sit, we can sit and look and go, oh, that, you know, they should have prayed differently. And yet God looks at this simple prayer between him and Solomon, all the things Solomon could have asked. And this is a simple one, but the Lord says, it pleases me. It pleases me. And so I want to encourage us. Um, God's generous in his approval of our prayers. I don't mean approval as in like just stamping yes. I mean his approval and that it pleases him. It doesn't matter if you stumble over your words. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like you're as spiritual as everybody else around you. It doesn't matter if you don't know what to say sometimes or if you run out of things to say sometimes or if you just sit before the Lord and go, God, I I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. God might look at that very thing and say, that pleases me. That pleases me what Solomon did there. That pleases me what my child did right there. This is what I, this is what I put in my notes, is that um, God's approval is generous. He's not measuring the prayer by a standard of eloquence or by what people might think was a good thing to ask for. But God knows that between him and Solomon, this was a fine thing to ask for. And it's sweet to me that God would be so generous. Sometimes I bring prayer requests to God and I go, is this even, I don't even know. Okay, look down at verse 11. This is God's generous response. This is the part that we get excited about, right? And God said to him, because you have asked for this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies. Right? Solomon's just gotten through defending his throne. It would have been easy to ask for the life of his enemies. God, if you could keep people from trying to kill me and usurp my throne, that'd be great. God says, you haven't asked for any of that for yourself, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Verse 12, look down at this word. Behold, I now do according to your word. Look at that, people of God. Behold, I now do according to your word. The God of the universe, whose word never fails, whose will is never thwarted, who is sovereign over everything, 
looks at Solomon and says, now I do according to your word. That's incredible. Who are we that the God of the universe would do any, would even listen to me? And yet here he says, I'll do according to what you said, Solomon. I mean, man, may we pray big prayers. May we, may we ask God for what we need because he, he looks and he says, I'll do according to what you say. Jesus repeats this theme, Matthew 6, ask, ask and you shall receive, knock and the door will be open. All these things, you can go to Matthew 6 if you want to look for that, but... Um, This is the Lord's generous response. And not only that, look down. He says, behold again. Behold, I do now according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has ever been before and none like you shall arise after you. Did Solomon ask for that? Did Solomon say, Lord, I want to be the wisest person ever? That's not what he prayed for. What did he say? He said, Lord, give me enough discernment to to do good to these four million people here. And what does God say? I'll give you wisdom beyond anyone ever. Generosity, right? God answers the request beyond what was asked, over abundantly, and then keeps going. Verse 13, I give you also what you have not asked for both riches and honor, so that another king shall compare with you all your days. Look at the generosity of God. He says, I'll do according to you. And not only will I do what you said, I'll do it more abundantly than you even asked for, and I'll give you what you didn't ask for too. Riches and honor. It's incredible. Um... God gives him a gift. Look down at verse verse 14. We're almost done here. God's generous response. We move on to God's generous promise. Verse 14. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. God gives him a promise. Why does God give us promises? What does it do? Helps us to trust Him. Motivates us to trust Him. Motivates us to do what He says. Motivates us to stick with Him in the hard times. Right? God gives us promises because it's a reward. Is God generous to offer us? He could have stopped with Solomon right there and said, Well, Solomon, that was a good prayer. Glad. See you on your way. Catch you later. But instead, He looks at Solomon and says, If... You will walk in my ways. I will also lengthen your days. One of the saddest things about this, look down at verse 15. Solomon makes a good start. And Solomon awoke and behold, it was a dream. And then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all of his servants. Solomon starts with the same generosity, right? So he's just finished sacrificing, remember? And that's in Gibeon. Now he's going to go back to Jerusalem, probably where more of his servants were. He's going to do more sacrifices before the Ark of the Covenant like David, his dad, used to do. And he makes a feast. 
right? Burnt offerings, I don't know if you guys remember the difference or have ever known this, but there's different kinds of offerings. And a burnt offering was an offering for, for sin, an offering for something I had done wrong, and it's consumed, right? You don't get to keep any of it. It's gone. A peace offering, on the other hand, is just an offering of rejoicing between me and God. And it's not all consumed. Some of it gets kept for the priest. Some of it also gets kept for the person who made the offering. And so Solomon takes these peace offerings, what's kept for him, and he gives it to his servants. I'm going to throw a feast for you all. What I say is sad is that Solomon makes a good start in verse 15, but he didn't end up getting this promise. He didn't live as long as his father David. It doesn't seem as if the Lord extended his life. Didn't lengthen his days. Because he didn't walk in the ways of the Lord. He struggled from then on. Not from here on, but later in his life. So, we've seen God's generosity. I hope, I hope I've proved that to you this morning. That the Lord's generous in his, in his attitude when we pray to him. A couple other things as we conclude. <clears throat> I want you to notice, one, this is just conclusions, takeaways, things, things to keep on the top of our mind. One, Solomon doesn't pray for the tasks to be easier. Right? Solomon doesn't pray for the task to be easier, he, but he prays that he would be equipped for it. He doesn't look at the four million people and say, God, if you could make them easy to govern, it'd be great. It'd be wonderful. Now, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying that it's bad to pray for that. Okay? Even in Jesus' prayer, we have this thing where, Lord, if it's possible that this cup might pass from me. right? I don't think it's bad to pray for that. But I think it is interesting to note here that Solomon doesn't pray for the task to be easier. He prays that he would be equipped to handle it. Right? There are some things that the Lord's given each of us in our lives that he has not promised to take away. He has not promised to make easier. But we can always pray that the Lord would equip us each day to handle those things. Um, and in our bumblings and our stumblings, I trust that the Lord can still look and say, so-and-so loves me. Right, so-and-so loves me. Number two, Solomon doesn't view himself as just in need of a little help. Right? God, I could use a little help. God, I've got this for the most part. I mean, the four million people, I think I can handle that. But the people killing me, if you could deal with that, that'd be nice, Lord. I could use a little, I could use a little help. No, how does Solomon view himself? He says, God, I'm a little kid. I don't know much of anything. I don't even know how to go out and come in. This thing that all these armies and kings do around me all the time, God, I've got no idea. And yet the Lord responds graciously to that. Right? And says, I'll give you Solomon. Number three is I just want you to remember that God is generous to his people. God is generous to his people. Um, let's not forget that our Lord loves us. He cares for us. He wants to hear from us in prayer. He is kind and generous and overabunding and gifting and gracious and all these words we could use. This is who our God is. And if there's one thing that I want to motivate us to pray, not guilt, not, oh, I should come to the prayer meeting because the pastor wagged his finger at me, right? Not, oh, I should think about the missionaries, not any of that, right? I want us to come saying, why do I come? Because our God is generous. 
Why do I pray in the morning? Because my God is generous and he's going to be generous to me today. Why do I pray before I eat? Because my God's been generous with this very meal. Why pray at night? Because God's been generous and he will be and he wants to be and he will continue to be. We want to pray that for our missionaries. We want to pray that for ourselves. We want to pray that for our church. We want to pray that for our nation. God would be generous. I want to just give you one closing illustration. In a class long ago in seminary, I had to, I, we had to study a guy named George Mueller. And if you've never heard of George Mueller, I suggest you to go look it up. Um, even the Wikipedia article could convert you to Christianity. Okay, just reading. I promise you, go look at it. I looked at it last night again. and Okay, but um, I wrote this. About, I had to write a paper about Mueller, and I kind of summarized some things, and I wrote this. I said, Mueller... He's obviously known for praying. That's why we're going to talk about him, right? Mueller did not state this principle, but the Lord taught it to me by reading about him. Mueller prayed in 1834 before he ever opened an orphanage. This is what he prayed. He wrote his prayers usually. May this, if it be the Lord's will, lead me to do something also for the supply of the temporal wants of poor children. Writes that in 1834. 1837, he opens his first orphanage. God would indeed lead him to care for over 10,000 orphans and to provide schooling to 123,000 poor children across Europe, across England. While he was caring for about 80 orphans, this is early, he says, This shall be my argument before God that God calls himself a father of the fatherless. And this contains enough encouragement for me to cast thousands of orphans upon the loving heart of God. Mueller is famous because he didn't ever ask for money. He just expected it. He prayed and he expected it to come. And over, over, the, over the time, God would provide Mueller over 75 million pounds in today's money so that God could show that he was indeed a father to the fatherless. Principle, Mueller had no idea how generous God would be, but he asked, (laughs) but he asked. And so I want to encourage us too to remember that God's generous and to ask, okay? Would you guys bow with me and we'll pray and then take of the Lord's table together. God, who are we that you would listen to us, that you even hear our prayers? Um, Lord, it's because of Christ we know. It's because of your love. It's because um, you've covered our sin. But it's also because in your very nature, you are a generous God. And I thank you for that. I believe that you are good to us. So Lord, help us to help us to ask. Help us to pray. Help us to pray for the big and the small, uh, the temporal and the things that seem more spiritual. God, help us to pray for all of it. God, we love you. Thank you for your generosity and your love towards us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.